0: Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app.
1: Hey, this is Andy Rose. You are now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us.
0: guys in a studio sword fighting
2: are you shitting me with that (gasps) what kind of swords are we talking here
0: what kind of swords were we talking yeah dude um well let's just say because of the way that things in society are Uh not not a rapier all right but maybe a scimitar
2: i was thinking something more on the lines of the larping variety because i used to have a foam sword
0: a giant foam sword i did no, I'm talking blades. Real blades. I'm talking broadsword. I'm talking a sword that is so large that it throws off my my body weight when I swing it. Yeah. And I need to counter counterbalance and then like hit the ground with like one hand like I'm doing some kind of like neat stale and it's like Tony Hawk if you said a sword. Uh-huh.
2: That's what I'm talking about. Well, there should be, like, a, a sword fighting 360 game. I don't know. Treat it like a Tony Hawk or something. You had there, a skateboard and a sword. That well, was kind of like, oh. that was like, oh, dude, that was my a superhero when I a was a kid. I had a skateboard and I had a sword and a cape and I was like, yeah, like, that's how I roll. I don't that know why. That
0: sounds like an awesome hero. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Skateboard, sword, and a cape. Ooh, man, it. Went- and if you are wondering, you are now listening to Lost and Rewound on in, Radio Free Brooklyn. In, in
2: case you thought that that spiel that you were just yeah. listening to is the show. no, nah, no, nah. It's yeah. Lost and Rewound. This is Radio Free it's Brooklyn. It's just
0: Lost Rewound, and Rewound. It's 3, 3 p.m. Uh, there's no swords. This is Jimmy.
2: And this is Alon. There's no swords, just just, audio cassettes, just audio cassettes from your yesteryears. If you want to contribute one of your old sounds from then from your childhood, from your high school years, from your days uh, when you first moved to New York and you live in New York, whether you live in New York or not, lost and rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. We want to hear what you got. Yeah,
0: exactly. You can call into the show and you can become a guest if you call into the show. But again, the show doesn't happen for free. Nothing happens for free in this world. Are we free? We're not. Who knows? We wish. But you can help us become, again, somewhat free by donating to the show. You can do so by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org donate. Or you can donate directly to our show at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash L-A-R.
2: That's where you can be a sponsor for the show as well uh, because if you want to keep us specifically on Radio Free Brooklyn and I don't know how we've gotten this far. But I appreciate whatever spirits are uh, emanating to keep us there. We want your love. And if you can't give us the love in contributions of the audio variety and uh, of the financial variety it would be most appreciated at either one of those links. Remember, we are a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, so your donations to us or to Radio Free Brooklyn as a whole are tax-deductible to the fullest extent
0: of the And the, the spirits law. Uh, that are along with our show. yeah. Are good spirits. I think so. There's good energy emanating here. I but, take them for coffee. You know, me and me and the spirits the, the, the coffee spirits, um <laughs> they summon the bathroom spirits for me. And, oh it's okay. Um Yeah. The bathroom spirit is not a friend of mine. You
2: know what's a friend of mine? Technology. Applications, aka known
0: as apps. Wait, like, are you talking about When you get, like, some chicken satay before the rest of that delicious, delicious meal?
2: I'm talking about the Radio Free Brooklyn app for iPhone or Android, Jimmy Hoffman.
0: Oh, I knew it. I was just giving you a little setup.
2: (laughs) So if you want to be on the go with Radio Free Brooklyn, radiofreebrooklyn.org slash iPhone or radiofreebrooklyn.org slash Android for respective applications for your mobile or tablet devices. If you listen to us on a tablet...
0: You've got more like surface area to listen. That's true. (laughs) You know? Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? That makes so much sense, you know.
2: Finally, we have a newsletter that comes out every single month. Only once a month, so your inbox will not be spammed by RFB. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. It's called Radio Free Brooklyn.
0: Man, that gets me every time. It gets you every time. That's creativity. And, it's um, like if, you never think a letter it e could do something.
2: You sign up for it. You'll be given notice about all of our giveaways, special things going on, events, etc. You could also learn about RFB swag. And I only bring up swag quickly because I wanted to ask Jimmy why you've never worn an RFB hat. You always are wearing <sighs> lids, but you never where you could get, if you sign up for the newsletter, you could True. find out deals on getting an RFB hat, if not a tote bag or a mug at the very least. But
0: a yeah. hat, you're I've not never, wearing a hat. I know. I
2: should too, but you're not wearing one. You're I've wearing never, hats more than I've I do. I've also
0: never worn a hat with a flag of the United States, which I need to do, and I need to get one that has the, the Puerto Rican baseball team. I got to represent you. I have a hat that says Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and then people go, "Oh my God, are you from there?" And I go,
2: yeah. You, you, you didn't wear a hat on your birthday, Jim. I know. You know I, I was trying to pay, I was trying to make waves, man. It's nice to have you back, though, at any rate, and hope you had a nice birthday week.
0: Yeah, this is uh, my first official show of my 30s. Yeah,
2: dude. Shall we begin? No. Fuck you. Damn
0: it. All right. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. local artist andy rose a musician around the neighborhood you'd find here in bushwick he's frequenting here over at the open mics at topaz which i go to quite often he also runs an open mic over at the daily Press present ocean hill good I guy know. welcome andy
1: rose and i host topaz sometimes seriously. yeah he's also the the interim what? the interim
0: host at topaz oh my god and possibly the um the next coming <laughs> possibly heir to the throne exactly guys welcome <laughs> welcome andy rose
2: this uh exciting to have you here, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear that you actually are going to be doing that guest hosting at Topaz as opposed to uh, Jeremiah, is that correct? Uh, yeah, Jeremiah Claney. And how did you uh, link up with him originally? When I
1: first started playing Topaz, he had just started that, actually. But it was one of the ones that I heard at. I literally just Googled places to go to. I went to Sidewalk Cafe. I went to uh, Under St. Mark's. And um, I became friends with this Italian girl who... Um, had this big curly hair and she uh, told me about Topaz. I started going there. Jeremiah came up to me once after a performance. The first time I went there, some poet had, uh, she collapsed. She was like kind of half crazy and she like collapsed in the room. Wait, hey, wait was she performing? Yeah, I was wondering, was she on stage? She, she collapsed when she came off stage. Oh. Uh. Jeremiah took a 10 minute break. I've never seen it happen before, but he was like, listen, everybody just go outside, have a drink for like 10 minutes. We're gonna like get her some air, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna keep doing sure. the show. Sure. So I got like too drunk, and by the time I performed, I thought it was a crappy performance. And Jeremiah could tell, but he liked what I did, and he went right up to me and he said, you know, something like, That was great, man. I want to have you back here. Please come back. You know, we'd love to have you. So I've told him, and he he does that to other people too. It's very, it's very, inviting. Very, sure. very yeah. welcoming. And we,
0: in, the, in the open mic scene in New York City, it's one of those things that it's not so often that you find hosts and people who encourage you to come out, give you good feedback, and they're just, you know warm faces man well
2: shout out to jeremiah jeremiah, sure is, jeremiah good is good people and it's yeah. it's nice just in general because you're in bushwick right now and being able to have open mics that you go to that are in your neighborhood you know makes you feel closer because chances are the folks who are going to those events are folks who also live in the neighborhood and it establishes a community of people who are residents as well as all artists yep yep
1: and topaz says i've seen it get better and better to the point where now it's really one of
2: the best open mics in the city, easily. So when was that, that initial connection? What year? I think 2015. Yeah. So in 2015, what kind of musician were you at that time?
1: I um, taught myself entirely, and as a vehicle to do that, I used traditional blues and folk.
2: What was the inspiration musically for you to start playing the guitar? Um, I was a big Bob Dylan freak. Is there a word for that, Like a like a... Do they have like a name for like you know Beetle mania kind of thing like a like a Bob Dylanite or something or a <sighs> or a. I think there's something like that. There must be like for like people who are big fanatics of a certain um, artists. Oh, Dylanologists. Dylan, uh, what? <laughs> there's for real? Is yeah. that that's yeah, amazing?
0: That sounds like something. <laughs> yeah. Do you know them to like
2: Bob Dylan stuff? Is to be a Scientologist? <laughs> yeah, I know most.
0: I know most trying to drop like knowledge and stories. You know, drop some science on folks. But oh yeah, <laughs> um, do you know the story of Bob Dylan and how he got his name and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, Dylan Thomas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for those of you on the air that don't know the story, uh, Google, it's out there. <laughs> it's, it, it's, <laughs> no, it, just... it, it's what our friend Michelle Carlo would say, GTS, Google that shit. <laughs> no, I feel I'll explain it very quickly because it's pretty funny, but that made me feel good saying <laughs> um, it, was, it. It was at the Chelsea Hotel downtown. Dylan Thomas was his poet. He was supposedly in the bar at the bottom. He apparently had drank... Um, I can't remember if it was 18 or 19 whiskeys. He says to the bartender, uh, I've just had 19 whiskeys. I believe that's the record. And then he goes up to his room and he dies of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on in history, uh, Bob Zimmerman moves into his room and gets like inspired by the story. And he changes his name to Bob Dylan for Dylan Thomas. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yep. Yes. Robert Allen Zimmerman, when you were thinking about moving to the city, was there a sense of intimidation maybe as a, you know, a hopeful artist if you will?
1: Oh, definitely. I moved to the city at the end of 2014, I think. Okay. I was uh, 23 just about to turn 24. I had already been teaching myself music and considering myself a musician, but the truth was that I was yeah, scared as shit to actually go out and really start like putting my nose against that grindstone because, you know, it's like, well, you think you're good in your head, but on some level I knew that it was going to be, like, painful to get better and better. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Uh, New
2: Jersey. Just outside the city enough that you were close the whole time but didn't feel like you wanted to
0: go over. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking is, like, it's, like, so close but so far. Like, the dream is right there, but you're not quite there.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a lot of guts to do it. Like, uh, I was kind of just at home and I was working. I was kind of in a rut, you know. What were you I, doing at the time? Um, I was working at a pizza place. Did you get, like, free pepperoni or anything like
0: that? Yeah, dude. Um, you
3: know. A little pepperoni's you know.
0: I, I I'm might... not necessarily <laughs> limited to talk about pepperon.
3: Uh, <laughs> you know, just... I
2: may have gotten a little bit of, uh, sausage. A little on that. Sausage. I was able to bring back home on the side. A
0: little mushroom, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I could pull a few strings if I needed to, you
0: know. A little string cheese, you know. Was... <laughs>
2: not obviously one of the first jobs you had, but one of the longer jobs you held maybe, or was it just like a very short stint, and then you're like, fuck this amount?
1: No, it was a very short stint. I think I worked there for about six months, but I was living at my parents, and uh, so because I didn't have any other bills, I saved up money pretty fast, and I had enough to move when my friend from childhood, he was moving to the city, and he asked me to be his roommate, and I was like, perfect opportunity to get off my ass and... You know.
2: Are your parents originally from New Jersey as well?
1: Yes. Yep. Um, right in the middle, uh, a place called North Brunswick around New Brunswick, mm-hmm. which is where Rutgers University is. Gotcha. Everyone knows New Brunswick
0: because of Harold um, Kumar. What? Is that where <laughs> it was? Hello, taking... New Brunswick. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the, ones. the part where they're in uh, Newark as well. And they're like, yes. hey, there's two guys that look just like us. And they start getting beat up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, um, are your folks at all involved with music, or did they just sort of support your love even without being involved in it? Um, They are not involved in music at all. My dad is an engineer.
1: My mom was a teacher. And um, my brother was, though. (laughs) my older brother.
2: How old is your brother versus you um, in terms of years? He's about six or seven years older than me. That's significant. And when you're growing up, you look up to somebody who's as old as that for sure. Definitely.
1: My brother was very smart. He's the reason that I can speak well. And also I was exposed to music growing up as a kid, even though I didn't start teaching myself till much later, I was exposed to it because of him. And I started accumulating a, a lot of Taste and um, a lot listening to a lot of old music,
0: you know. So besides uh, Dylan, what other stuff was he showing you?
1: He was a classic rock guy. He loved the Who. That was his favorite band. He loved the Who, Peter Gabriel.
0: You could have an aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> These were all
2: records or CDs or um what, or what have you, tapes, maybe, possibly. Back in the day, what were you exposed
1: to, medium-wise? I remember when I was really young, like eight or nine. I remember going up into my room right after school, listening to Z100 so I could tape the real Slim Shady when it was on the radio. So I would have that. In the really old days, sometimes I would even do that, listen to radio. But it was mostly um, CD collections. My brother had a big CD collection, and then we'd burn it onto the computer. And then Napster came along. And uh, we downloaded as much as possible
2: on Napster and Morpheus and Kazaa. You remember those?
0: I have a question. Oh, yeah. I remember Kazaa.
2: <laughs> I, 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 I'm i really glad you mentioned Morpheus. I feel like Morpheus and Kazaa were kind of the same thing, but maybe not. My They were both like P2P apps that looked like exactly. yeah, LimeWire. Actually, Wire. I think that's what I was thinking. LimeWire and Kazaa, Morpheus was a little different. Here's my question was, if you guys had a lot of music, did you upload a lot of music? And so were people downloading from you guys? I did. I, I would burn CDs for people, yeah. Okay, see, uh, I, this is something I never have really thought about. I was a leech. I never put any of my own shit on because I didn't really know how to do it. If you download something, it becomes accessible to everybody else anyway. So anything that anybody else downloaded from me on a Napster or something like that was just stuff that I had already downloaded myself anyway. Yeah. But you said that you would upload all like your old stuff.
1: So oh, there's, there's, there's
2: four people on on Napster. That's there? what I'm saying.
1: Oh, no. no, no, I never. I didn't know how to do. For that. For me, yeah. I used
0: to just make my stuff shareable, and then people. I would see people downloading from me. Yeah, and then I used to torrent after all that. So mm-hmm. when all that stuff went down, people were like, "Oh my god, where where I get music from?" My my buddies were like, "No, don't worry. There's like this other. We're going to figure out this other way." And then so torrenting became this big thing, and you you'd keep torrents open, and you could keep them open on your computer, and then people would feed off your torrent. Yeah. Because the more torrents are open, the more the faster connections everyone get. Yep. So
2: you embraced this full on uh, pretty quickly, obviously, since you at that point were in an impressionable enough place in your childhood that uh, you could simply just roll with whatever your older brother was doing. He clearly had access to the technology more than you did. So you just sort of were able to work off that. Yeah, I didn't
1: realize that in later years what Napster would do is ultimately open the door to sucking all the money out of the music industry, and now
0: here, here we are. <laughs> yeah, right, Jesus. But
1: uh, I did a lot of things um, with my older brother. Uh, music was a big one. Music, movies. It's also my mom, too, um, always, like, talking about the artists, and there was, like, they got, like, the Beatles anthology and went through, like, the whole story of the Beatles and... um Also, another thing, my brother was very smart. Another thing we did together was poker. When I was like only about 12 or 13 years old, I started playing poker with real money online. Oh, my God. And we built up like a few thousand dollars. Wow. But then we started bickering and fighting. Of course you did. Yeah. And we split the money two ways and went our separate ways and then kind of. It like dwindled down to like six hundred bucks, and then I withdrew it. But I was like a thirteen year old with like six hundred bucks. Can't for the life of
2: me remember what I did (laughs) with it. (laughs) This is my gambling earnings. That's impressive, Andy. I I, I I became an alcoholic when I was, you know, when I was (laughs) thirteen.
0: Only I I had gambling debts.
2: (laughs) That could have made some good cash back then. Uh, I had no idea. I was the older sibling. Normally, and incidentally, this is sort of maybe something that comes up is, is that you generally will be friends with younger siblings if you are a younger sibling yourself and vice versa. If you're an older sibling, you just end up being friends with the older sibling no matter what. There's always that older sibling connection mm. where if someone's not older than you, like you have that sense of power or that sense of like authority. And when you're younger, you're just like, you're able to get away with stuff because it's your way of being somewhat rebellious and mischievous
1: yeah, well, you know what's funny? I, I do have a, a sister who's in between us. Like, I understand. About exactly, but... But um, you're still the
2: youngest of three.
1: Yes, and uh, I definitely annoyed the hell out of my brother when I was really young. Like, always hanging around him. He's always like, you know, get out of my room kind of thing. But at the same time, he was also like a very smart, like nerdy kind of guy. So he wasn't like a beat-me-up kind of older brother. It's still the similar dynamic of like younger and older. The younger brother annoys the... You
0: know. It's how it always goes. I mean we've talked we've, about so many times the violence that happened with my because my my, it, my got, we, best friend's we, older brother was six years older than we've him, talked
2: so. about zach poots and his brother so much that i'm honestly just wondering if you could just get them on this freaking show to like have like a talk i should it. get his brother on the show i'm saying
0: and then his uh, his brother can talk about how he used to beat a senseless word we yes, kids. yes. <laughs> have, he was violent with yes. us and in God. no way do we hold it against him did yeah.
2: you ever come across any sort of animosity, if you will? Or were you the one with all your technically younger kid mischief uh, providing all of the animosity?
1: I guess it goes both ways. Uh, I'll just give like the poker example, right? For sure. So it would be like what the formula that seemed to work is that I would sit at the computer with the mouse. And I would generally make like the quick decisions like sitting at the table. You get the hand, sort of analyze it, feel at the table. You know, I would generally make the bets. And I knew, like, basic strategy. But I was also, like, a gambler. I'm a big risk taker. I always have been, like, since birth. And uh, my mother actually tells a story where Brian, he would climb up the stairs. And he had a certain way that he thought he should climb up the stairs, like when he was a baby. And if he did it wrong, if he was on the last step, he would go all the way back down to the bottom and start again. Me, I was, and he was talking at a ridiculously early age, I was walking at a ridiculously early age, or better to say, I learned how to run before I even learned how to stand. (laughs) So I literally would put myself in a push-up position, stand up, and then run. And I would run until something stopped me. Yeah. So, (laughs) So I'm a big risk taker. I get on my feet and I build the house from the bottom down. But anyway, that was a big detour.
2: No, that's not a detour at all, actually. That fits in incredibly well with what we're trying to accomplish here on this show. Um, You know, every week we do this show as a way to sort of think back to how we got from there to here. And clearly risk-taking is something that has uh, peppered your entire uh, life and all the things that go with it. I mean, you took a risk going to New York City. Yeah. You, You were not prepared, but you did it anyway. And you weren't really excited to do it, but you knew you had to because that was... What saving up all that money working at a pizza shop was all for. Yep, build it from the top down.
0: I mean, you took a where you think of risk wearing that shirt, you know? <laughs> what, wait, what? <laughs> you <laughs> take a risk wearing that shirt. Uh, I'm sorry, win some, you lose some. Like I say, you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, okay, what can I? Uh, I got to punch lines.
2: <laughs> well, um. when, when you first, so when you first moved here, you looked up every single of Mikey could, and then you got connected. Was there ever a moment? where you wanted to divert from that or that you got frustrated and you wanted to just say, fuck it all?
1: Oh, when I first started playing out? Yeah, it took I don't know exactly how long for it to stop happening where I would go out and feel like I embarrassed myself and then go home and just be like, oh, you know, oh, my God. Like, I feel humiliated. I feel like that was a terrible performance. And it wouldn't go away until I went back. And then I did what I felt was a good job.
0: Yeah, it's agonizing. Because I feel like it's similar with music and comedy. But when you do well, it's really hard to learn from that. Mm. You know, when you do poorly, you can see everything you did wrong. And you know how to improve it upon the next performance. But when you do good, you're not seeing the errors. So you try to replicate what worked often. But it's many times it doesn't work the second time. And you think that's what was working. So you're not seizing on what was, what was right.
2: Where was the first place you played guitar in New York City?
0: I think Sidewalk Cafe. It was Sidewalk? Yeah. Do you remember the first song you played? Yes.
1: It was uh, Honey, Just Allow Me One More Chance by Bob Dylan. I, pl- I did it with a harmonica. How was that performance taken? Actually, the girl that I mentioned earlier,
2: that's how I met her. I think she thought it was cool. Um, I mean, maybe you were too hard on yourself, or did you like legit bomb and knew it for sure? I think that it's... From
1: my perspective, there was definitely both going on. I don't think it was ever as bad in my mind, but definitely there were some times where I didn't sound very good, especially if I chose songs that were too much of a stretch for me at the time. But well, finding your voice as well is a
0: is a thing you need to do because you know everyone has a register, and sometimes yeah. you pick a song and you love it, and then you start singing. and You go, wait, 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 wait. Yep, what's <laughs> happening right now?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I would say there was, I couldn't, from my perspective now, I won't, I'll never know. I'll never know which ones sounded good and which ones sounded bad. But I do remember when I knew that stuff started working. And that goes back to what you're saying about you don't learn anything when it's good. A lot of times you find something that works, and now I've found this out. Then you do it again, and then you're like, oh, I don't have to stress anymore. I can go in here with a bunch of tools that work. But then over time, they lose their effectiveness. And then you become complacent. I remember there was another a lot of a lot of it was Bob Dylan like kind of simple chord songs um, finger picking ones and s- stuff that I could do that went well with my voice um, and were, were very expressive and then I could tell you
2: can tell they 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 work you know
0: yeah exactly
2: when you first started using these was it like before a performance or what when you were just like practicing or did it happen sort of live you know, on the spot, like you discovered it while you were in the middle of a show. That it worked? You had like an epiphany in mid-performance or
3: something.
1: It's a process. You can, like, I've said this to Jimmy, you have no idea if a joke is going to work when you write it in your room alone. But you can have, if a song really works pretty well, you can actually tell a little bit alone. And then, so that, I had a couple that I really felt like they would work, and then I went out there and I did them, and then the crowd claps a little extra loud you know that time and you can tell people will have a reaction to it and they start seeing you differently and then you
2: feel it and then you go oh that one worked would you be able to play that Bob Dylan song right now if you uh,
0: didn't have a harmonica with you yeah yeah I could
2: do it yeah I I think that would be kind of cool ah
0: (laughs) I see yeah just like Siobhan had done right we had her come and play this song that she hadn't played in a long time that was old and historic for her
1: yeah although I will say that it sounds very, very similar to the other one
2: that the recording. Even better. <laughs> we'll get to that song later, but in the meantime, we're going to be treated to a little live rendition of "Honey." Uh, sorry, what was one more time? Honey just, "Honey." just allow me, allow me one, one more, more chance. chance. "Honey," just allow me one more chance by Bob Dylan, as played by our guest this week, Andy Rose.
1: Now I do it. I'll do it uh, as I do it
2: now, right Not as one I used to chance.
1: do.
0: What did do you, you used to do?
1: I mean, you know, like, well, I I mean, I'll play it exactly like I used to do. I'm just going to do it better. (laughs) Okay. Hopefully I won't forget the chords.
3: Honey, just allow me one more chance to get along with you. Honey, just allow me one more chance to do anything for you. Well, I'm walking down the road with my head in my hands, I'm looking for a woman, needs a worried man. Got one kind of favor, I ask you, allow me just one more chance. Now, honey, just allow me one more chance to ride your aeroplane. Honey, just allow me one more chance to ride your passenger train. Oh, I've been looking everywhere for a girl like you But I can't find nobody So you'll have to do it. It's just one kind favor I ask you loud me just do one more chance Allow me one more chance to get along with you. Honey, just allow me one more chance to do anything for you. Now looking for a woman that ain't got no man, it's like looking for a needle down in the sand. It's just a one kind favor that I ask if you allow me just to one more chance. It's just a one kind favor I ask you, hey, allow me just one more chance.
2: Ah, uh, tasty jams. Solid. That was really solid, dude. Yeah. You know, it's it's really embarrassing. I'm from Woodstock. I could have been raised on so much Bob Dylan if we had any of those records uh, still kicking about when I was a kid. And that was not the case. And uh, I have threatened to lock myself up with the entire Bob Dylan discography and, like, just not come out until I'm done listening to it all. Like, I just figure I'll just do that one day. But I don't know. Well, I guess. I can think of much better ways to absorb an entire discography of someone so seminal.
0: Fair fair enough. Similarly, I have never listened to a Bob Dylan song before. What? Like, I've never. Like, I've heard them being played, people covering them. I've heard them, like, off in some place, and someone's like, oh, it's Bob Dylan playing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, Like, But I've never, like hit play on a Bob Dylan song ever in my entire life. The first Bob Dylan song I ever heard...
2: (laughs) The first Bob Dylan song I ever heard was actually covered by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They did a cover of Subterranean Homesick Blues, and that made me realize that, like, oh, shit, I wonder if the original song is good, and it was, but I was like, it's not high, like, over machismo uh, rock funk version, so I'm gonna go back to the cover version that I like better.
1: (laughs) You know, it's absolutely... Out of this world dope is Rage Against the Machines cover of Maggie's Farm.
2: What? It's I've never heard that un- version.
1: It's unreal. I mean, you know, Rage, uh, rage Against the Machines. Is that? Oh,
2: because they do that album. That's a bunch of covers, right? Yeah. They cover uh, how can I just how oh, I can just kill a man. They cover Renegades yeah. of Funk. They cover Maggie's Farm on that album. Maggie's Farm. Damn. All right. Oh my god. Good it's to so know. Good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how did that feel playing it like that? Oh, just now. Yeah. Um, it's familiar, it's- right?
1: Yeah, you know, it's all. I always felt like um, I do that sort of um, Bob Dylan uh, sort of talk singing, like a little bit yelling mm-hmm. kind of thing, pretty good, but um, sometimes better than others. I haven't done it in a while, but I wanted to move on from that and sort of find like a richer voice and like richer chords and stuff and a sound that was a little less country. I messed up the solo, the middle
0: part. Didn't but. even notice... Yeah. Not, neither did he It's the beauty of uh, sitting in a room with two not musicians and we're like How does he make the sound come out of the wooden box? I am very impressed
2: You move sounds That I would love to hear This,
0: this voice is pretty like a girl <laughs> I put a dress on him No, 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 no. We're
2: not going to go Sound on the Fury on here
0: Don't worry Oh, man Don't even get me started on Sound and the Fury, bro
2: Alright, I won't So we'll continue I, that book <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll continue more of this with Andy Rose. We, we have not even scratched the surface on what we actually have for you. The
0: sound of the theory, I'm telling you, you guys. Lost through out. Radio free <laughs> Back in a little bit. The Rose Man.
2: If, you know, we have had somebody... The King of Thorns. There. Sam will be very Larry upset. Rose. Remember when we had Sam Rose? Come on, man. So was
0: I calling him the Rose Man? No, you didn't. See? But <laughs> <laughs> if, hey, I didn't I, you know. I, is I, that
2: like if, like if somebody else who had the last name here, you'd be like, his name is Danziger. But don't worry, you're the Danzigist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> okay but but my nickname for you is off of your name it's just for one again i like I said it for long, so long, I would just call you e and then you told me that about e three
2: hey hey, if you love this banter you 'll love the banter of all of our other past episodes <laughs> yeah. which which if for real, this time, uh, if it hasn't already uh, been the case, uh, our uh, Potomatic and all other sites should be up to date. But go to that site first, first of all, because that's where you can find all of our radio free Brooklyn Fair since the very beginning of our duration. Over era.
0: 100 hours worth of content. Yeah. Ah!
2: lost and Don't worry. Jimmy's heard none of it.
0: Um, yeah. No, I've, I've probably listened to a cumulative two and a half
2: hours. Have a listening party <laughs> for one of your shows that you want to listen to and invite Jimmy over. Um,
0: Get lost with Lost Rewound. Go deep. Like, lock yourself in your house and don't shave. For four Just days. For four days. Listen and listen.
2: And also, other than Podomatic, if you choose to uh, check out any of our other uh, platforms, we are on Spotify iTunes and SoundCloud as well for all of our episodes even dating back to the very beginning and in extras as well.
0: Yeah. And you can also find us on uh the corner of thirty third and Broadway between the hours of three and four thirty in the morning. Yeah. I'll be in the pink dress. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You'll just find me uh, managing the Facebook or Twitter accounts. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Lost and Remount as well. But none of that is important as much as what is important in the studio right now, and that is our guest for the week, Andy Rose, who has been kind enough to contribute some of his musical um, offerings, uh, both stylings, musical stylings, both. Stylings. You know, we'll we'll hear from you again. Uh, one of your uh, newer tracks again in a little bit. Before we get to that. I I wanted to address uh the elephant in the room, which is is that uh this is all very new for you. Like this has all like been fairly recent. The Lost and Rewound ethos is normally a little more older and this is all in terms of being a musician extremely recent for you. Yeah. Within um, like within a five year period, all of this has happened. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's I mean that's incredible. Like and like you've just turned around and you've become this really seasoned and well uh, respected and established musician in the open mic scene and even more than that I imagine. Yes,
1: I suppose you know I've done plenty more shows than just open mics. Yeah, but I know people and I'm networked and I'm in the scene. <laughs> he's
0: yeah. the, he's doing the it, and uh, I think <laughs> it's one of those things where it's it, no one no one in the scene is really ever talking to each other. Like oh how long you've been doing this? No one ever talks that. No one talk. It's all about the talent level. Yeah, the good. People just recognize it, and yeah, and we're just kind of shooting it. I think you just kind of get your cred from can you bring it or not. Mm-hmm.
2: Take us back to May of 2016. Where is Andy Rose at this point in his life? Okay, so
1: May of 2016, I have lived in New York going on a couple of years, like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I got to the city. I had no job. I had to figure out how to make money. I had to keep teaching myself music. I had to get out into the open mics. At this point in May, I had just started doing shows. I went out to the open mics. People liked me. They started asking me to do shows. So I'd done my first few, like, 25-minute sets. I had a lot of confidence, and um, it was the first time that I had that. There's an interesting story behind this video. So um, I was working also as a videographer. My roommate and I did video projects together, And he found this uh, rap group, this hip-hop group, that he liked working with.
2: What was the name of the group?
1: Uh, Black Cadillac. They're doing things right now. They're playing like college shows. They have a manager. They would record at a studio in uh, Long Island with a kid named Mike Ashby. One day Mike Ashby put up on Facebook, he said, I need acoustic performers for a free recording because I just want to get it out there that I could do this also. And so one of the guys in the group tagged me like, oh, you got to get Andy they'd been to a show so he was like okay sounds good to me so I drove out to Long Island Mike Ashby I used to see on his Facebook he would uh put out these like Instagram stories of this very like uh this this female rapper who was very uh like boisterous and her name was Cardi B and Mm -hmm. I nobody really knew who Cardi B was at that time Mm -hmm. he ended up recording and mixing Bodak Yellow, or whatever that big song is. Mm -hmm. It was done on the same microphone in the same studio, mixed by the same kid.
2: So, the microphone that you are singing in was also used to make uh, money moves. Money moves. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) I mean, literally figured it out. uh, That's a great story. Yeah. That's like saying you used like the same, uh, you know, petri dish as Madame Curie, man. You know, you're you're going in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: without, without further delay, let's listen to this cover of the song, I'm In The Mood For You. Who, who did the original? It's Dylan, and it sounds just like the last one. So I gotta tell. No, it's okay. It's it, okay. It, so for the record, we are listening to a song that is virtually uh, uh, chord-wise similar, but the difference is, is that we'll have something to talk about because... Blame it a, on Dylan. No, hey, it's a, this is, <laughs> it's, a, it's a video from a few years ago, and it's significant because... Uh, of the story that you heard. I'm going to justify it into the ground. God damn it. If <laughs> 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 say-
1: Hey, this is Andy Rose. You're watching a crematorium session, and this is I'm in the mood
3: for you. Sometimes I'm in the mood. I want to leave my lonesome home. Sometimes I'm in the mood. I want to hear my milk come on. Sometimes I'm in the mood I want to hit that highway road And then again I said, oh I said, oh I said, oh I said, whoa, babe I'm in the mood for you Now sometimes I'm in the mood I had my overflow and fill And sometimes I'm in the mood I want to make out my final will Sometimes I'm in the mood I want to head for the running hills And then again I said, oh I said, oh I said, oh, I said, whoa, be I'm in the mood for you And Now sometimes I'm in the mood, I want to lay right down and die Sometimes I'm in the mood, I want to climb right up to the sky Sometimes I'm in the mood, I want to laugh until I cry And then again, I said, oh, and then again I said, oh, I said, whoa, breathe, I'm in the mood for you Sometimes I'm in the mood. I wanna go all the way to the wall, baby. Sometimes I'm in the mood. I wanna fly like a cannonball. Sometimes I'm in the mood. I wanna do nothing at all. And then again, I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, whoa, babe, I'm in the mood for you. I said again, I said again, I I said, oh, I said, oh, I said, whoa, babe, I'm in the mood for you.
0: Far out. Yeah, right, man, it yeah. was it was nice, um, really nice uh, recording set quality, man.
2: It was it's a very nice recording, yeah. The recording quality was top notch. The video work was interesting, I will admit.
0: Yes, uh, and again, I guess your playing was great, <laughs> sounded great, but the cameraman was, um, it looked like he got his hand on a nice camera and he was like, "All right, all right, let's make this happen," and he got enthusiastic, <laughs> but then he was, you know,
2: that's what I would do. Like, I would be super, like. <laughs> no i'm sorry i shouldn't be throwing shade but i can only <laughs> imagine that like if i was 12 and i had a cam- the really nice camera be like Whew. i'd be
0: like yeah he was just trying be, to do, be, trying be, to do would, too much i yeah, feel like like I'm, if he had done pivot my feet this if way he'd done whoop, pivot like my foot that way yeah whoop. if he'd done like, like Exciting. A, a third as much camera work as he'd done in that video it would have been great yeah if I, he'd like just panned a little bit up and down a little you know focused a little bit in that you know nothing too fancy.
1: I had him off balance from the beginning because I ran through like a few songs and he was like, he doesn't even know what kind of music that is like he he does r&b and that yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
2: he's like expecting you to to get uh, like super like like moving probably oh yeah he's he's yeah. trying to create
0: the action because but you're just sitting there yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: that's why he's moving the camera so it's much. Like, yeah so he's overcompensating for the oh, lack man. of moving that is <laughs> you know, like, like yeah let's make this an action movie it's yeah. kind of hard when you're just sitting oh, there my, my guy that's yeah. funny I get
2: that. I'm trying to think of like other ways. Like imagine someone's recording us in the studio video wise and someone's doing the same thing where it's like shaky movements. Oh, movements No, but the fact was that he,
0: he was camera he was keeping it. It was weird because my was getting Nauseous. disoriented. <laughs> we're, we're we're being so we're, we're being so silly, right? Now, we're, we only talking about the
2: way the guy filmed. No, no, thing? I know. I this know. This is like
1: a Grammy award winning uh, sound engineer. I by know. the
3: way,
2: I know. I know. We should be really talking about the sounds. The, not going to be an Oscar winner. The visuals are not necessarily as important. And you know, look, I mean, it's on YouTube for what it may be worth. People could go and watch the video for themselves on YouTube if they look up uh, i'm in the mood for you at crematorium uh andy rose easy they can just like find it boom done done
0: well (laughs) one thing is that we can get back to the uh, you actually playing was that you and you playing years ago it was was a it was a great song it was a great rendition fantastic talents man so
1: yeah thanks yeah i um but
2: you are embarrassed by that
1: when i get a little cringy at some points
2: why is it cringeworthy for you
1: i was tired of that thin sound in the voice where I was really, like, doing it with a lot of energy. It's an entertaining song, but I would like to move more towards somebody who can sing, like, Ray Charles. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kind of want to get away from the Bob Dylan thing. I'm basically just ripping off um, the way Bob Dylan would sing.
2: Okay. Uh, so moving on from that, then, and you're looking at your yourself on this video, what's your first impression when you first saw that video? Did you realize, oh, wow, I need to move away from this? uh and see if i can you know, pull from other artists and be able to find my own indie rose sound as opposed to the sounds of the influences i have
1: um when it first came out i was super pumped yeah everybody liked it a lot it was like around this time where i was first making things happen and this was like a great thing that happened felt gave me a lot of credibility yeah you know with myself Absolutely. as much as
2: anybody else you know but then it took a while for enough accolades to come your way that when you look back at something even so so recent really in, in hindsight that it makes you cringe a little bit yeah. yeah what what like what's the threshold for like how long you can be proud of something and then when you look back you're like because i do i look at myself one from day a few, year, a few years ago <laughs> dude a few years the ago. next day
0: i look back on things i did i mean maybe like two minutes I don't know. Maybe like one second. I look back <laughs> yeah. on lots of actions maybe I like took and go, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> "Holy well, moly!" What was I thinking?
2: Well, I will Past admit, me is the worst. <laughs> I'll admit that like it's just sort of a not something I talk about very often. But watching myself on film, watching the, the certain like certain physical takes that I demonstrate, it doesn't make me feel really good. But I'm the only person who's paying attention to it. So if you're yeah. a good, if you're a really thorough self-critic, and you're getting these opportunities to perform on a video, it really gives you a chance to see, you know, how you can be a better, less distracting performer.
1: Yeah, there's like a fine line with studying yourself, being pumped about it, being hypercritical about it, and you have to walk a fine line where you know what's good and don't get absorbed in it, and know what's bad and don't get absorbed in that. But I actually, uh, I tell Hoagie all the time. Who's Hoagie? uh, Hoagie's... Who are, is Hoagie?
0: Ho- Dave Who's Hoagie? Who's Hoagie is this? Dave <laughs> Hargado?
1: Dave Hargado. Uh, Who?
3: He's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who is Hoagie? Yeah, right? <laughs> that's, not his, that's his Instagram,
0: right? Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, this friend of yours uh, for the, the scene, I imagine. Oh, uh, yeah. So, he's, about the, it, he's uh, a sandwich that plays
0: music. <laughs> and um, let's just say he's delicious. Most talented sandwich <laughs> out there. So,
1: but what, did, what did he say? So, Hoagie... Um, records himself like every time okay and he records me all the time too and he's like man like that was so great and we have tons of respect for hoagie everybody does he's a phenomenal performer he wants to like show me the video and i'm like no no i don't want to see it like i i
0: yeah i've again I, like we elon already mentioned this idea that i don't really listen to this show
2: yeah like, would you watch an old set of yourself i've, uh, set of I've, what? Uh, I've watched
0: uh, i've watched one set of myself in six years of comedy Wow. Okay. Yeah, I watched myself on a video once and it made me feel really weird. <laughs> and it was a pretty good set. Yeah. It was at um, UCB, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should start doing that a little more. I guess I've gone through a period lately where I was just like, you know what? No, I just don't want to deal with it right now. Like, I don't want that mental cognitive dissonance. But maybe now would actually be a good time to sort of start taking more of an outside perspective of it. It's weird getting perspectives on yourself.
2: Freaks you out. That's yeah. why I feel like I'm more comfortable watching my younger self, because then I have a reason to cringe versus the stuff of the newer variety. <laughs> Admittedly, there is a lot of weakness to be uh, proven with a statement like that. But I'm willing to laugh at myself with enough years gone by and then be able to appreciate the progression that I've made even so.
0: I hear you. Well, so what we'll do right now, then, is let's let's avoid... The cringing for this moment, and we'll do some of the new stuff, some of the yeah. uh, some of the freshy, freshy. Yeah. We want to hear you
2: play more guitar, sir.
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll get another another little ditty for us, huh? But
2: this yeah. is uh, something that you've been working on. This reflects the uh, current Andy Rose material. Yeah,
1: although I don't think you're going to hear too much of a difference in the voice. Like the sort of thing I'm working up to, you'll probably be like, I don't know, that sounds kind of like your voice before. Yeah.
2: Well, we I remember, <laughs> I remember when we had Rowan on. And although she did provide us with a decent amount of stuff from earlier on, the reason why it was so significant for her was because she was singing in such a different style than she sings now. Yeah. She has a very certain style, yeah. And you're saying that your voice hasn't necessarily changed, but the musical uh, stylings have certainly transformed.
0: Well, you there... so you're, you're finding your voice, too, still, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, this is going to be an original. So I have, you know, a handful of originals that work. And I think... They're not so, like, old country-ish, kind of like that. Um, This one, uh, so this one, I think I'm going to do New Blue Rose, because the last two were done with a pick, so this one's going to be finger style. Sweet. And um, I'm very, very proud of the lyrical work on this one. This is based on um, Jungian dream theory. Jungian dream theory?
0: Jungian. Jung. You know, Carl Jung? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jungian. Jungian. Yes. Jungian, yeah.
2: I've, you know, it's so embarrassing. I've seen the name written down, but I have never heard, talked about it. So I've never heard it. You know what I'm saying? Like when you yeah, see names, yeah. but you don't he- talk about, about it with anybody. So you never, never. I've heard, heard
0: people use that phrase Jungian before, which is why one reason yeah. why I just picked up on it.
2: I'm yeah. so sorry for derailing for a minute. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. We <laughs> so could talk been, about Jungian for but a long is, time. This is the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the theorist Carl Jung's philosophy, and then you put it into uh, a song.
1: Carl Jung, J-U-N-G, he was a contemporary of Freud. They were big friends at one point, and then they had a big falling out. Freud thought that dreams were nothing but wish fulfillment, and Jung thought that dreams were teleological, which meant they had a purpose. They were trying to orient you as an organism in the world. He was very interested in systems where people have projected um, their inner ideas onto, like alchemy and astrology. So he sort of saw these as their projections of like the inner workings of the human system, rather than actual movements of the stars and how you like make gold out of lead. So there's this thing called the blue rose. It's a symbol of alchemy. And uh, it's generally, it was like a good sign. It was like leading you in the right direction, like leading you around the center. It was a good sign for your mental system. You were centering yourself. The music was written um, for a hypnotic effect. The song sort of starts and then it goes through and then it ends. Uh, it's like a dream, like you find yourself in it and then you find yourself out of it. It's got like a revolving door at the beginning of the end, um, so it's this constant like process around the center. And the blue rose is this thing that like I'm chasing that I'm hypnotized
2: by. Let's listen to it I mean, now. Now you've you've sold it. Now <laughs> let, let, let's play it. All right. All right. All right. Andy Rose here in the studio, Lost and Rewound. I could
1: start one out.
3: <clears throat> I put on a strange hat and walk down the road. I'm pulled by a perfume. It's the scent of a new blue rose. My new blue rose My new blue rose My new blue rose I haven't made much money But I kept all that I could And gave up all my time Or all that I thought I should Because it all will be a wash In an alchemical hose When I circle round my center find my new blue rose, my new blue rose, my new blue rose, my new blue rose, now I drink a lot of whiskey, but I never drink any gin, and it never really matters which little town I'm in. Cause all I can see And all that I care to know Is the silver line that leads me down To the new blue rose My new blue rose My new blue rose My new blue rose I see a veiled woman And she's sitting on a stair And pointing to a pasture, and I see a lot of children there. And then she points down to the valley below and unmasks her face and shines on the new blue rose. My new blue rose. My new blue rose. My new blue rose. rose.
2: Dude, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for playing that.
1: Yeah, thanks. I kind of feel like I didn't get going till like, the middle of that one. And that, oh, no, it sounded great. There's another one that I do that uh, is always a hit every time, and it's a little catchier. But that one, um, every time it's a little difficult to get the feel of that one in the verses, because the verses are so delivered just like a poem. So, uh Sometimes it's hard to get a handle on that one. I'm still sort of
2: finding it a little bit. Still finding my new blue rose. Hey, man. That's all. We're we're glad to have it. After high school, uh, you had every incentive to go to the city and maybe start toiling your way through doing what you're doing now in your mid to late 20s as opposed to uh, going into your 20s and being in that same position. What do you think was the main component that kept you from doing what you're doing now as a, effectively a starving artist as a you know as a struggling as a musician as a lyricist as a, a songwriter from doing that instead of going to school coming and doing it earlier i didn't have it
1: together i was an athlete my whole life i was an athlete with this dream in the background of being an artist, and I always wanted to do that, but I didn't know how the hell it was ever going to come about. I was also a really reckless teenager, kind of a disastrous end to like my teen years. I, I went to film school uh, when I was twenty and twenty-one, and um, mm. that, went to New York Film County right? Mm-hmm, and that went pretty well for a while. I've had lots of jobs in film, but in my early twenties, I really kind of traded in a lot of that time for. Development, like personal development. I really, I wasn't, I didn't quite have the guts. I I didn't feel ready to like get out into the world. I felt like I wanted to develop myself intellectually and in a lot of other ways. And I really uh, sacrificed a lot of my youth for things like knowing what Jungian dream theory is (laughs) Uh, because it takes a lot of isolation to be able to sit there and read that and really like get into that. I was very antisocial
2: for a while for those years. You took a risk, but uh, you came up uh, successful because now here you are all these years later hitting your stride for the first time. And I think uh, anybody who sees you will be pleased and uh, privileged to be able to see you perform. When can people uh, catch you? You say you host an open mic at Ocean Hill, right?
1: Yeah, there's an open mic way out. Deep in uh, Brooklyn, but it's a really beautiful spot, and it's a lot of fun. We're a cafe, but we're going to be a bar as well. Uh, It's at a place called Daily Press Coffee, 38 Somers Street, off the uh, Rockaway Ave. C, the Bushwick Aberdeen L, or the Chauncey J. It's not a very far walk from any of those three, and uh, it's a beautiful spot, and you'll you'll get a lot of time, and it's BYOB. It's a ton of fun.
2: Nice. And that's every week or every month?
1: Every Wednesday at about 8:30. Awesome. So, yeah. And otherwise people can catch you at Topaz or anywhere else specifically? You, you can catch me at Topaz. Sometimes I'll be hosting um you, uh
2: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call anything else like a People main can, spot. So. People can catch you uh on for any events that do happen maybe on your social media? Where you on Instagram? Uh-oh. No. Nah. Okay, no, we'll we'll take that part <laughs> out. Where can people find out more information about you online if they want to? Uh, nowhere you can't dude
0: really yeah there's, there's like there's many artists that are not I appro- out there
2: I you know, we're gonna keep this part we are <laughs> you know what I applaud that because normally we have everybody coming on and they have their social media but you yeah. maybe you just have to find you and I no, like that. I'm like, let so, them find you. I'm so,
1: yeah. I'm so authentic that I can't make any money and you can't find me and you
2: can't listen to my music. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, they can see it's that as video. To <laughs> reiterate, they can see that video online if they want. You but can see that. Other than that, the Andy Rose blueprint online is very skinny. It's very scant. It's so Facebook friendly. Is it? For sure, and <laughs> your, your your social media presence is slimmer than the Jim Jammer. That's right across this table for me. Wow, cold as ice. <laughs> 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 All right, folks, thank you so
0: much for listening. We look forward to
2: having you again next week to listen to yet another new episode of Lost and Rewound.
0: Tune in next Thursday, three p.m. right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Ta ta. Uh Boop boob boob de la Dai who have you heard of it? Yeah, wait, wait, how did he de- get that how
2: did you get that name again? Boob
0: Boob, <laughs> boob D de, <boob>, <laughs> Um what name? Who what?
3: <laughs>